HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Hearst Ranch is a proud sponsor of the Heritage Radio Network. Learn more about Hearst Ranch at HearstRanch.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. So you don't shun the devil with your rock and roll load. Knows that country music's gonna save your soul. The Welcome back to the Speakeasy. I'm Damon Bolte. Hey, my name is Southern Teague. Hey, hey buddy. Welcome you... back. Thanks, man. The world traveler. Oh, I've been out for a couple of weeks, man. I'm sorry to uh, have missed uh, a couple of really great guests. I got to listen to the show, uh, yeah. both shows. Um, well, had, you were uh, John Little on yeah, from Smooth Ambler, and then you had our buddy Jim Meehan on the show. I'm looking at his book right now. It's, it's gorgeous. It's gorgeous. You were sorely missed. I was in Portland while he was here. Every time, I know. Every time I'm in Portland, you guys in swap York. cities every time. It's crazy. We should just open a bar together or live together. <laughs> we uh, live together might be the right off. thing. He doesn't have a bar out there. He's well, he's just hanging out. Not mostly. yet. Not yet. <laughs> Time will tell. Yeah, man. How was your trip? It was great, man. I was. It was. Uh, I've never been off. Well, I mean, it was work. I mean, but when you do what you love, it's not really work. I you know what I mean? But uh, yeah, I was gone for two weeks. Um, I was in San Diego, then L.A., and then San Francisco, and then Crescent City, and then Portland for Portland Bar Institute, and then back to San Francisco, and then I was in Big Sur, and then back to San Francisco, and then back here. All in two weeks. Yeah, man. I, I followed you... your Instagram stories, man. That was some great photos of you uh, and your brother and, and some, some guys on a ride. Yeah, I got to ride the bikes down to Big Sur from San Francisco and um, camp out. It's great, man. A lot of whiskey. You live the life. A lot of whiskey. Not while riding, by the way. That's I, right. I must <laughs> put that disclaimer out there. But it was great. Um, that to guess... Uh, bartend at Polite Provisions, uh, Eric Castro's place. You know, Love I know Eric you've been Castro. there before too. Oh yeah, so. man. Uh, got to go there. Got to go to Capital Tomlinson's bar in L.A. Girl at the White Horse. That's right. Real blast over there. Um, yeah, and then just kind of like blast up the coast with my my friend Mariah. She's the marketing director of Brooklyn Gin, which I work with. And uh, vibes. Yeah, I'm, I'm the vibes man. <laughs> uh, and so we road tripped all the way up to uh, from San Diego all the way up to Portland. Got to hang out and uh, do some yoga. How many of you were there on the bikes? On the bikes? Is it was this the bike ride? No. 
Oh, this this is just uh, me and Mariah oh, in the car cruising up the coast. Right, cool. Um, and then uh, yeah, and then flew into San Francisco. Had a consulting job at a design firm. Built a bar in a, a design studio uh, offices, and that was really cool. I love um, that when I love it when you tie your your old work and your new work together. Yeah, it's always fun being in a in like a, a magazine or a design studio and not having to actually do those things. <laughs> design in a different way, right? But um. Yeah, it was really cool, and I, you know, I met so many people on the road that actually, man, it's crazy. You know what? For all the bullshit that's going on politically these days, or whatever, we we don't want to get in that just yet. But um, different show, different show. But I, you know what? It it is still like it's a big, beautiful, wonderful world out there. You know, it's, agreed. Yeah, man, met so many people that that listen to this show too. That like every time I meet people when I'm out on the road, and they they recognize my voice. Or they're like, out there, man. The Speakeasy Army. Yeah, man, it's great. It's yeah. really cool, and uh, you know, people are asking about your arm, <laughs> <laughs> that kind of stuff. So it's really cool, man. Uh, good to be back. Can't wait to go out again, though. You know, great love, to have you back. Love being on the road. Um, you know, we'll take a van trip one of these days. I think, speaking, speaking of, of vans, vans. <laughs> all right, good segue. Uh, so we have in the studio today. Um, she's been on the show in a number of years, but we have the lovely Claire Barton Lang. Welcome back to the show. Thanks, guys. Welcome, welcome. Yeah. Um, yeah, we're excited to have you on. You've been on my, my long list for a while, and uh, I'm, glad to, I'm glad that you're free today to come hang out with us and talk about... You well, know, you're actually in town, which is that, crazy. Yeah, that's the... Yeah. yeah. Free slash in town. <laughs> uh, you caught me at a good time. Uh, Damon, my schedule sounded very similar to yours for the past uh, six weeks. I've yeah. been in uh, Chicago and Dallas and San Francisco and Portland and... I know I'm forgetting something. Chicago again. A lot of ping-ponging. Uh, L.A. I did three West Coast trips in three weeks. So back and forth, not counting the the, the Dallas and, and Chicago elements. So happy to be home for the month of November. Does the travel ever get to you? Or do you I mean, like it? How could it not? You know, it's... It's a strange thing. It's kind of a grass is greener situation. When I'm traveling, I kind of wish I was home. And when I'm home, I'm like, I feel like I should be on the road right now. <laughs> um, I mean, it helps now. I, I have a fiance and I've had my dog now for a number of years. But um, And we could do a whole other show about Welsh corgis. Right? True. So <laughs> I, I call my fiance my corgi daddy. Shout out to Sam, my corgi daddy, uh, who you know takes care of her when I'm gone, which makes my travel a lot less stressful. Um, but it's also very nice to come home to uh both of them so uh, but i do really enjoy the travel and meeting people and i think you know if we're going to talk about this a little bit later on but uh getting around and out and about like that was what really helped build my career um because the nationwide kind of spirits industry liquor business bar business uh is so kind of interconnected um that being able to bounce around from place to place and meet people over the place is is uh really integral to building my own Thing, my own brand, I guess. Yeah. Do you have? Uh, do you want to talk about your own brand? <laughs> yeah. Let's, well, I mean, let's back up. I always like to back up a little for the listeners. Uh, um, what, talk just briefly. Don't give me your whole CV, but like, where did you begin, and what got you to where you are, and then we can talk about that forward. Oh man. Uh, so. My mom knows this story in case she's listening, um, but uh, be. <laughs> I uh, was born and raised in New York City, grew up on the Upper West Side, went to high school, um, basically right around NYU. So I kind of went to high school at college, if that makes sense. Sure. And um, 
frequented a well-known dive bar uh, in the West, I guess, in Chelsea, or Meatpacking District, um, as a teenager um, called The Village Idiot. And I was in there uh, one time with my really terrible fake ID, and I was, I think, probably 17 or 18, and um, went to the bathroom, which, if anyone had been there, very, very, pretty much the worst bathroom in New York City, uh, the women's, so the men's was worse 10 times Mars worse. Bar? Uh, right? <laughs> uh, who knows? But yeah, pretty bad. I walked out of the bartender, uh, out out of the bathroom to the bartender standing on the bar, throwing things at my friends and saying, "All you underage motherfuckers, get the fuck out of my fucking bar." <laughs> and that's when I knew I wanted to work there. Um, <laughs> so I, uh, the following year, so I went off to college, and then the following summer, I inquired to them as to. Uh, I called and said, you know, are you hiring? And they say, oh, yeah, we do interviews every Tuesday, which is, you know, never a good sign. Right. Uh, the so constant, they basically had the constant, constant turnover. Door, exactly. Yeah. Um, so I went in and and uh, and managed to get a job. Um, I started as a shot girl. Uh, but the thing that I liked about that was that we actually made our own drinks. So we had a station at the bar. We would go to the back. We had service, you know, the back room, basically, which was the size as big as the actual bar. Um, and there was either one or two of us, depending on the shift. And then we would go to the bar and make our drinks and then carry them back on a tray. So, <laughs> you know, a little different than your average cocktail waitress. Um, and so that's how I learned to make, like, you know, redheaded sluts and surfers on acid and Long Island iced teas <laughs> and all those classic, you know, late 90s uh, cocktails. I wouldn't call them cocktails. But sure. um, so that's how I, I got the bartending bug. Um, but I was in college in D.C., and because the Village Idiot was such a revolving door, I was lucky enough to be able to just work shifts whenever I was back in town. So I bartended off and on um, throughout summers and when I was home on break. And um, it was a close enough trip back to New York anyway from D.C. So um, I guess fast forward to uh, my senior year at college and all my friends. This was before this was 2005, before the uh, economy crashed and all my friends were getting jobs at like UBS and law firms and mm -hmm. I, was a, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. I wanted to go to law school. I didn't know. Um, and I had been interning for a company that produced events for nonprofits in D.C. Big galas for Operation Smile and Robert F. Kennedy Memorial Foundation and things like that. And um, I had this weird kind of resume that had all this, like, do-gooder nonprofit stuff and, and this, you know, paid internship. And then, you know, I left my bartending off of my resume and had a friend who knew somebody at Absolute and said, you know, I think you'd be really good for this job. Uh, and this was before the Pernod acquisition. Absolute was an independent subsidiary of the government of Sweden. And we um, had the importing rights also to Plymouth Gin, which is how I met Simon Ford. Shout out to Simon as well. And uh, Krusian Rum at the time and Freeze Vodka, which I don't think exists anymore. Um, so I interviewed with them and, and they hired me, you know, before I had even graduated from college to do an entry level kind of sales and marketing position at Absolute. Um, so I did that for four years and, and helped guide the brand through the Pernod Ricard acquisition uh, and then decided to not, not stay on um, with the new company. So I joined a smaller consulting company that would allow me to continue to work with the brands that I've been working with and was with them for a couple of years. And then in uh, 2011, I started getting people asking me if they could just hire me and not hire the company I was working for. And um, so we came to a mutual parting of ways and I started my consulting company, which is CBLLC, CBL Liquid Consulting, I guess is what that that stands for, and um, that was six and a half years ago. So that's that's the kind of long story of how I got here. I feel like I've done nothing in my life, man. Just <laughs> right, <laughs> Jesus. 
Mm-hmm. So that's amazing, though. Like, you must have felt a, a real point of pride when it, that person asked you, like, we just want to hire you. Yeah, we see what you've done with these other brands. We want to just hire you. We're going to cut out the middleman. Yeah. Um, I mean, it definitely, it was the push I needed to get out of that nest. Um, I was feeling at the time that that company was not growing in the way that it should have been. Uh, So I, but it was a scary thing. I mean, I was interviewing, I I had an interview with a distributor, which I'm really glad I didn't get that job. uh, Because that's the real dark side that nobody talks about. Um, You know, so I, I... was really grateful and thankful for people that had kind of pulled me aside and said, you know, we, we would just hire you. Um, and, and you know, it evolved from there. Cool. So you took that first gig that, that they came and plucked you out, basically. And then how, how long between that moment and, and, and the, the, the birth of CBL, LL, CBLLC? It was only about a couple of months. I mean, it took me a little time to get my paperwork together to start the consulting gig and kind of figure out what my pitch was going to be. And, um, it really wasn't anything other than I'm, I'm CBL. Uh, I had (laughs) been lucky enough to, as I say, you know, work with some really influential people and meet a lot of people when I worked for, uh, Pernod, um, not just with absolute, but especially with Plymouth gin, which back in, uh, this was, you know, 2009 to 2011. Um, well actually earlier than that, 2007 to 2009 was really one of the first craft gins, imported craft gins that was targeting trade. So I was going to D.C., which is where I met, you know, Derek Brown way back in the day and Kat Bangs and Gina Tercivani and, um, you know, these, these uh, you know, I met Dave Kaplan and Alex Day through that. You know, I was, I was able to meet people um, through that and become a personality, I guess you could say, that wasn't a bartender. Um, and there aren't very many of those in the industry. Um, there are brand people and there are bartender people and there aren't that many kind of front of house, back of house, uh, event people. Right. So that was my niche. Um, and that is what I started pitching. And uh, through Speed Rack, I worked with Speed Rack for two years with Ivy Mix and Lynette Marrero. And that's also helped me meet a bunch of new people and get some brands to become interested in me and my relationships. Um, I did get hired by Tales of the Cocktail to work on the Spirited Awards uh, because of Simon Ford. And so that also helped you know, just grow my name a little bit, which wasn't my uh, goal for taking that role. It was mainly to help Simon um, with that difficult process. But, uh, you know, all these things kind of combined to to help me become a bit of a national name and to work with brands that, especially smaller brands that don't have big agencies that needed people like me to help them execute events, smaller scale and especially trade facing events um, nationwide. It's amazing. You found like a you, you found a hole and you you and I filled it. it. <laughs> yeah, I, and I think it's it's great. And you you, I think you that's pretty great self description as well. You you've become kind of a personality that I, I don't know you as a bartender. I don't think you as a bartender. I don't think of you as a brand person either. I just think of you as frankly, I think of you as your initials CBL. <laughs> like like that's how I I think that's how you're in my phone yep. CBL. Like you're just. Your thing. Well, You're your own thing. It's true. And I don't, I'm, uh, it wasn't even a question of whether I was going to change my name when I got married because it's my company name. It's my name. I have my initials <laughs> tattooed on, on me. Other people have CBL tattooed on them. So, whoa. What? Uh, Talk about that for a second. <laughs> CBL, LC, LLC? Just CBL. Just the CBL. I have a handful of people that are not me, uh, not related to me. Don't work for me, and I have not slept with. That Whoa. decided on a what <laughs> a night a night that alcohol was involved uh, to get CBL tattooed on them. So 
Uh, I've had those nights. Yes. Do, but no do CBL. You, I was going to say, if you have CBL. <laughs> just, just other. Other people's other initials. <laughs> I got Amy Lou Harris on me. Uh, yeah, but that was actually not a drunk night. That was a drunk but, afternoon. <laughs> same, same, but different. No, no, it's that's a clear difference. There's a difference between a drunken afternoon. Hey, oh, there's a difference between a Dave's drunken here. afternoon and a drunken evening. <laughs> um, well, that's great. So you've kind of got us uh, uh, caught up to spec on what's going on with you in the past, and now we're going to take a quick break, and we're going to come back and talk about what's going on with you currently and what's coming up in the future. Yeah. So, uh, stay tuned. We're coming right back with CBL. Hearst Ranch is a proud sponsor of the Heritage Radio Network. The Hearst family has been raising cattle on the rich, sustainable native grasslands of California's Central Coast for over 150 years. Piedra Blanca Rancho in San Simeon is the original Hearst Ranch, founded by George Hearst in 1865. George's son was the famous publisher, William Randolph Hearst. In addition to being known for building the iconic Hearst Castle, William was, like his father before him, an avid rancher. In his words, I would rather spend a month at the ranch than any place in the world. Thanks to one of the largest land conservation easements in California history, a joint effort with the California Rangeland Trust, the American Land Conservancy, and the state of California, the working landscape at Hearst Ranch will be preserved forever. Learn more about Hearst Ranch at HearstRanch.com. And we are back. You're like you're listening to the speakeasy. I just took a big old swig of this Negroni, delicious Negroni, and uh, kind of choked me up a little bit. And emotionally, not uh, actually. I was going to tell you, uh, I met a guy named Matt. I, I did a little consulting job for uh, this design firm uh, called Godfrey Dadich Partners in uh, San Francisco. And this guy Matt comes up to me. He's like, "Dude, listen to your show." I made this bandana, hands it to me, it's a red bandana, unfold it, and it's all about the Negroni. Get out and, of here. Uh, yeah, and actually, uh, he's got a uh, a site called liquorandletters.com, like a kind of like blog vibe. Um, anyway, uh, he uh, we're going to get him on the show sometime when he's in town next. Awesome. Yeah, so... I, you so when you you were bouncing around out there, he did he did he did he recognize you or did he recognize your voice? You get that all the time. I, well, I was the the bartender, like it was oh, at the like, thing, at right, the thing. Right. So like he's one of the guests, and he was like, "Shit, that's cool. I'm gonna bring him a bandana. That's really awesome." Yeah. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> no, that's here. great. But uh, I'm gonna take another at, sip of this Negroni. We're just having to, Negronis. Like, you know, it's uh, it's at least worth noting that this is my first drink uh, since, uh, since since October second. Yeah, I took. Yeah, uh, in solidarity with a buddy of mine, I took the month off. Uh, Sober October. Yeah, we didn't really plan it that way, but but yeah, why not? Sure. Give it a name. Yeah, name it. <laughs> name it, and then it's a thing. Yeah, man. Uh, but I'm really enjoying this Negroni. It's a good way to get back in the game. And there's uh, never a bad time to drink a Negroni. We were talking about that earlier. I think yeah. uh, it's a it's a drink that is without uh, time of day. That's what you said. Yeah. Negroni in the afternoon, is that, is that the right thing? And I was like, it's the right thing anytime. Yeah. And then I think I go further and say it's without season as well. Yeah, it transcends seasons. It does. Uh, anyway. Anyway. <laughs> we can talk about that for a little while. Um, 
we're back in the studio with Claire Burton Lang of CBLLC. And we've been brought up to speed on what, what you've done to get where you're at. And now we're going to talk about what, where you're at and where you're going from here. What, do you, what are you doing these days? You just mentioned that you're at uh, Portland uh, for, wait, you're, at, you're in Portland for Bar Institute, which is no longer Portland Cocktail Week. Uh, not quite. Oh, wait, did I mess it up? You confuse my with Damon. Damon was there for Bar Institute. I was there slightly before Bar Institute right. for the f- series of events I just completed for Fernet. Uh, oh, right. So Let's talk about it, that. Yeah. Because that was here in New York as well. It was. Uh, it went yes. all over the place. We Is that did why five, you were bouncing around? That was around? one of the reasons. Uh, I was bouncing around. We did five cities. Um, five cities in six weeks. And uh, and I was also in Portland for Feast Portland, which was slightly different. I saw for, you there, right, actually, last exactly, month. Exactly. So... To Portland. I, I, actually, the, so you just confused the shit out of me. Cause, <laughs> yeah, because I saw I saw CBL at uh, at, feast. at feast, not at Bar Institute. But right? yeah, yeah, I, dude, the, I was yeah, I was sitting here racking together. my brain the yeah. whole damn show. Like, <laughs> right? How did I? Oh man, how did you run into um, each other? In the you know what? Okay, go back to the that thing makes... we were talking about in the first half of the show. Yeah, sometimes travel can be. Yeah. <laughs> it all melts together. Yeah. You wake up in a hotel room and you're not sure what city you're in. Yeah. Sometimes you go to the wrong hotel room because that was the room number of the last hotel you were in. Sure. Um, oh, wow. But uh, wow. so, yeah, I mean, Fernet, <laughs> the Fernet series of events was something that um, kind of is exemplary of, of the way that my business has gone, uh, which I wish was sometimes a bit more consistent and predictable. Um, but luckily I have the flexibility to pick up some last minute things. Uh, so through Kate Lawfer and KLGPR, who uh, does the PR for Infinium Spirits and Fernet, um, they were in need pretty last minute of somebody to be an on-site producer for this series of events with a uh, sixth generation family member, Eduardo Branca, and celebrating um, kind of the uh, book that they created to celebrate 170 years of, of Fernet Branca, but also talk about like the past, the present, and the future of Fernet. Um, and this, to me, is kind of a dream job because the events themselves, I hate, I hate to say it, to put it this way, but I mean, the events themselves, logistically, I could do in my sleep. We were picking venues that were great venues. I mean, I worked with Yale Van Groff at Spare Room, and we had Dave Cheneau at Rookery at Raven and Rose. We did Bourbon and Branch in San Francisco. I mean, I didn't have to do any build-out. I didn't have to order rentals. It was, you know, 50 to 75 people, all trading and media. Yeah, so, but that's because you, the, the strategy behind it, you've got this template you can't just say it's. It, this shit doesn't just happen. <laughs> well, no, true. You know? I mean, and because I knew right, those this people. is your years of expertise. Right. Yeah, I exactly. can get behind a bar and say right. it just comes naturally to me make drinks, but it's because of being behind a bar for fifteen years. Right. You know, like it didn't just come overnight. Um, but you know, Kate uh, had you know uh, spoken with the brand team from Fernet and said, you know, we need somebody on the ground, and I and I know the perfect person, and they said, all right, let's do it, um, and so. It was it was a really great series, and we, um, you know, as I said, we worked with a lot of really cool people, and and I got to get a little creative with things like edible. Thanks again to Dave Cheneau, but uh, edible rice paper garnish that kind of melts. So you put the you print the yeah. logo on, and then it melts on top of like an egg white cocktail. So the logo's just yeah. sitting there doing branded ice. We had some you know custom ice cream sandwiches in L.A. from Cool House. You know, we we got to do some some cool things that were hopefully memorable for the attendees. And I got to see a lot of friends in all the cities I went to. Um, but, you know, that's the most important kind of development for my business has been creating relationships with people throughout the years that then when things like this come up, they're like, oh, I know the perfect person. 
Um, so, and that's that's how I get a lot of my one-off events. Um, I have someone named Layla. Uh, Layla Azimi, now McGinnis, because she got married in July. But uh, she and I met at Star Chefs International Chefs Congress, I think, six years ago. She was working for Star Chefs. And, and you've, been um, doing, you've been doing that for six years now? This was my sixth year doing that. Um, and she... So you started when I got Mixology. There you with, go. Uh, when with, you uh, got Mixology, did you catch it? I yeah. got Mixology. <laughs> I caught it, too. I got, I got the Mixology all over my with, shoe. Uh, <laughs> with our buddy Leo. Yes. Awesome. Like six years ago. Five the Groff. What do you mean you got the mixology? What does that mean? I got the well. I was I got choked up on the Negroni again. Sorry, man. I got the uh, mixology Negroni. rising star award. Oh, oh from yeah, Star yeah, Chefs. Yeah. Yes. Oh, right. okay. yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. With Leo Rebchak. Yeah, Leo not Degraff. Okay, not Degraff. Um, I, yeah. I don't want to get anything with Leo. I mean, Degraff. That is the. Yeah. So Star Chefs. Um, you know, they do a really great job actually with the rising stars. It's hard, especially. Congrats to you on winning New York City because it's really hard. Uh, in a city like New York, and they only come to each city every couple of years. I'm just old as fuck. That's now there's true. so many new people. That's not true. <laughs> I mean, it took I'm, every year when they do like a rising star in New York, I'm like, you guys, that person has been established for a couple for years, a you know? Like <laughs> Natasha David got it recently, Jerry yeah. and Vos, um, you know, <laughs> Jeff Bell. Uh, so, anyway, so. Bunch of nobodies. <laughs> yeah, nobody you've ever heard of. Um, so, I met Layla and. Uh, she ended up moving to San Francisco to take a gig in San Francisco with the Golden Gate Restaurant Association. And I remember she told me when she left that as soon as she had the power, she was going to bring me on board with anything she ever did. So for San Fran- for uh, the Golden Gate Restaurant Association, their big event of the year is called Eat, Drink, SF. And it's a 10,000-person, four-day you know, food and wine festival that's I, uh, executed very, very well. Similar to Feast Portland, actually, right. in like a very high level of execution, a high... Uh, uh, like they have a high standard for sponsors, so they're not accepting, you know, things that aren't in line. Monster with, energy, thing. right? Or <laughs> things that are in line with their aesthetic, or whatever it might be. So, um, you know, she brought me on board the following year for uh, Eat Drink SF as the beverage director and sponsorship manager for all things spirits for that festival. So, I just completed my third year with them. Uh, last year, she actually left and moved on to be director of VIP experience with Bottle Rock in Napa Valley, which is a music festival. And she brought me on board for that, running um, operations, so kind of more back-of-house logistics stuff for the VIP suites. And that was really amazing because I'd never been a part of a music festival um, from that the back end, and I hadn't really attended very many. I've never been to Bonnaroo or Burning Man. Um, so seeing something like that come together, I mean, literally building like a structure from the ground up and laying you know, laying fresh sod and, you know, all this, all this stuff. And, um, you know, it hurts my heart to hear about everything that's happened in Napa and Sonoma Mm -hmm. with the fires, um, actually working with Layla on a charity event that's going to be happening at the end of this month in San Francisco. So I'm working to get some bartenders and brands on board for that to give some money back. Yeah. If you need Um, help, let us know. Absolutely. Uh, when I have more information, I'll definitely, you know, we can blast it out, but I believe the goal of the restaurant community in the Bay area is to raise a million dollars for, uh, Northern California. So, um, so Layla. dollars in Southern. Yeah. Hey, we can split it. that, right? Yeah. <laughs> I got it. Where's my checkbook? Uh, I'll call Layla. Dave, we're going to need a raise, man. <laughs> we're going to need to go up from zero dollars to some dollars. <laughs> yeah, I'll talk all to the about that. It's all for charity. <laughs> um, so, you know, meeting people like Layla, knowing people like Kate, who I've known, I don't even know where Kate Lawford and Lawford Gorenstein now, and I met, you know, years and years ago, but, uh, you know, having, 
my name be top of mind when things like this come up is really what's propelled my career forward. And so I'm now at a point where I'm working on annual brand, you know, annual events that it's kind of two days after the event is over. They're like, oh, you're coming back next year, right? And I'm like, can I just, can I sleep? For a minute before we, right. no, <laughs> you know, before we before we talk about the answer that. Answer is no. The annual um, the annual events. It's it's they, when it's over you start planning. Right. right? I mean, yeah. and that's you should always if you're participating in something. And I I don't uh I, I can call this the Firefest example. If they are not planning at least a year in event in advance for an event, that event is probably not going to be well produced. Right. And. If they're asking three months in advance for any sort of major assistance, then you do not want to touch that with a 10-foot pole because that is not a good production strategy. Yeah. It means they don't have uh, their, you know, shit together. Yeah, yeah. that's very um, sound advice. So, yeah. you know, I, I and that's the other thing that I would give if I'm giving advice is if you're a person like me doing something like I do, be very careful who you work with because when my name is attached to something – and something and anything goes wrong with that, then I have the potential of going down, you know, with the yeah. ship. And did you, um, and like on that note, did you, I mean, you kind of like start slow and build up and like build your clientele the right way. Like I always say, like, do you want it done now or do you want it done right or do you want it done right now? Yeah. There's the, there's the three prongs, right? It's you can get it done fast, you can get it done cheap, or you can get it done well. You can pick two. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like, that's, that's the thing. It's like there's so many especially new people in like our side of the industry that just like want to get right to the top and don't know how to make, well, like you said before, a redheaded slut. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Not that I want to know how to make it. I, I, would, uh, I wish I could forget, but yeah. Um, <laughs> Jaeger is a uh, key to it. So one of Southern's favorites. Um, yes, it is. But yeah, so I think, um, and also just understand, making sure that whoever's approaching you for something like, like what I do, whoever's, I make sure that whoever's approaching me for something like what I do understands the elements that go into it. Meaning I don't compromise on fresh juice. And, um, that was something that was really, uh, influential to me coming back and working on international chefs Congress this year was a conversation I had with them after last year saying like, I am tired of hand juicing by myself back of house, like 4,000 ounces, like a day for this event. Like you guys have to get a juice sponsor. And luckily, um, I had a contact at Industry Juice, which is doing cold press juices. Uh, they're based out of uh, the Midwest, but they you know ship in two days, and um, they saved my life for International Chefs Congress. I was standing around twiddling my thumbs because I used to have to get in at seven a.m. to juice for four hours, and now I was <laughs> pulling the bottles you know from the fridge and pouring them into batch buckets, and we were good yeah. to go. It seems like um, such a misuse of your time. Yeah, seriously, <laughs> juicing. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, uh, that's I mean, the, the, all, that's another thing. You um, needed the stuff, but it seems like you're not the person that um, needed to be doing it. Uh, uh, and no. I remember I I've done chefs yeah. uh, the ICC twice, right? I did it last year. Last mm -hmm. year I made food. I didn't make drinks. Which yeah, that's a different world over there that I don't even set foot in because it's scary. But yeah, um, <laughs> no, but I mean, but that's a good example of you know the number of times I mean we sh I showed up. Uh, doing an event for Super Bowl for a client where we had asked specifically for fresh lime juice and we showed up to like whatever the cheaper version of Rose's lime was. Oh, like the, the real lime and the squeeze? No, lime. no, like the <laughs> syrup stuff, but it was oh. like Admiral some, like Admiral Nelson's like lime, oh, yeah. like not even Rose's. <laughs> yeah, man. And, you know, that mad like scramble to get fresh juice in Phoenix and it was raining. I mean, it was a nightmare. So, you know, making sure that, and I'm sure if you guys are doing an event or if you're 
consulting, you're going to make sure in advance that you're on the same page in terms of the required equipment and the needs. And that's really yeah. important to making sure that at least my side of something goes off, is executed properly. You need to be so, able to walk in and make shit happen. Yeah. Can't be scrambling at the last minute. Exactly. That's fucking sucks. We know that shit. Yeah. I have a list on my phone of like all the stuff from working like outside events and stuff like that. There's a huge list and it involves, you know, things like remember to bring pour spouts and funnels yeah. and a cutting board and a paring knife, towels. Towels. <laughs> towels are I, huge for yep. me. And also oh. beer. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And it's, you it's, never know. And it's not so, not so. just for you because you're making drinks. It's for the chefs doing the uh, thing over there. I agree. Sla- you know, like yeah, everyone's drinking cocktail stuff. Slide that chef a beer, man. You're gonna friend you're gonna, for life. Yeah, Usually, exactly. Yeah. You're getting fed later. Usually, <laughs> what I do, fed. I like to call myself the whiskey fairy. Um, so if especially I like to at call a, you that too. Yeah, <laughs> at a food event, if there's a, uh, you know time before we kind of kick off and before they open to the general public uh i usually try and go around with a bottle and a couple of cups and just oh, yeah. offer For offer sure. all this just because it's a it's going to be a, whether it's a two-hour event or a seven-hour event it's going to be a long night yeah like exactly. these events are especially consumer facing events are never uh easy on anybody that's working it so For sure. um you know I, well, I, I well, prefer of, to be the whiskey fairy yeah well speaking <laughs> of you brought some whiskey with you i did that's right. i did indeed um so the other side of what I do is uh, work with brands on identifying and activating um, national events. And one of my clients is the Cooper Spirits Company, uh, founded by the late, great Rob Cooper. Yeah. Um, and so this is, you know, one of his, uh, one of the brands under under the portfolio of Cooper Spirits is called Lock, Stock & Barrel. And um, Rob was... Uh, ahead of his time in many ways. Uh, Founding St. Germain is obviously one of them. The other a was huge a huge one. A huge yeah. one, yes. Uh, but the other was that he was a rye whiskey nerd and he realized before everybody else the value in buying rye stocks before, you know, most of the big brands were making, you know, entry level rye or whatever it is. So uh, this is the 18 year Lock, Stock and Barrel 18 expression. Uh, it's a straight rye whiskey. It is the oldest straight rye whiskey that you can get with an age statement at the moment. Um, and this is, I, I believe they were just bottling it like two days ago. So this is a sample bottle. The, the regular bottles have not hit shelves yet. And, uh, this guy is 109 proof. Smells spicy. Yeah. But it doesn't burn your nose. No, no, no. Not, not like the burn way. Remember, uh, so the, the original lock, stock and barrel came out with, Five years ago. The original mm-hmm. was a 13. Yep. Yeah. The 13 and year. the 13 stuck around for a couple of years. The next one was 16, which right. which we went through at the end of last year. Went quick, right? It, yes. Very, very quick. Yep. And uh, we, you know, expect the LSB 18 as well. Yeah. 100% rye. Spicy. Oh, man. I love this stuff. I love the 13 also. Like, the 13 I still really have a good. bottle of that in my collection. But it's also because, like, Rob sent me a couple of bottles and they had me do a, a a taste profile for I think it was tasting panel? T- tasting panel yeah um, so I did a little review of it for them and I was just like fuck this is really good yeah. <laughs> I've actually one of my favorite games because that the thirteen year bottle in particular is very distinctive um, it's got these kind of it's black bottle with these weird like bevels in the shoulder um, and if I ever see it on a back bar especially in a random place. It's usually they usually don't know what it costs, so it's like, oh, like what's that? You know, that yeah. black bottle, like what? <laughs> how much is that for a shot? 
Uh, I actually did this in Washington, D.C. a couple of years ago, actually before I was even working for Cooper Spirits or with Cooper Spirits. Uh, I was hitting the town with Jackson Cannon. Um, we hit a bunch of my college dive bars. Cool. <laughs> and uh, luckily for me, Jackson's go-to drink uh, at the time, and maybe still is, was Jameson on the Rocks. So uh, we didn't want to go to any fancy places, so we went to a bunch of places fancy. I went to in college. Did uh, you go to uh, Madam's Oregon? We did not. Well, we stayed in the Georgetown neighborhood, so we okay. went to the Tombs. Oh, yeah? We went to uh, Rhino's, which has since closed. Yeah. Uh, and it was actually at Rhino's where Jackson asked for Jameson, and they were out. And I think it's because it was like a Monday and so they had like they blown through depleted. all their Jameson that <laughs> yeah. weekend. So we're like looking at the back bar and I see like this black bottle and I was like, oh, how much for like one of those? It was a Lock, Stock and Barrel 13. They charge us $7 each. Ah, <laughs> <man>. <laughs> awesome. So that's always a fun game. Um, yeah. The dive bar, uh, like archaeology dig. Yep. Yeah. Like, what can I find on the back bar that's that's worthy and that they're going to charge me far too little for because they don't want to look up what it costs. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> or like if it was once like written on a sticky on the bottom of the bottle, that's like long gone. I mean, that right. was always yeah. at when I worked at the, at the village idiot, it was either like on a piece of tape, like under the bottle or like stuck to the bottom of the bottle. So we didn't have to look up. I mean, I don't even know where we would have looked things up. Another fun thing that I was remembering the other day, cause I was actually at a bar called dive bar on the upper West side. Um, and we noticed that their like Chivas 18 was $18 and a lot of their age statements was corresponded the <laughs> to the price. And that was always the rule when I was a dive bar bartender <laughs> was that anything that had an age statement, you charged for like a single pour, you charged whatever the age statement was. And Amazing. I don't obviously that that doesn't <laughs> happen anymore. But to me, that was Fucking that was always like brilliant. the way that dive bars price things. You 18, $18. Yeah, I'll take two. Yeah. Give yeah. me a double. Keep going. <laughs> Oh man, that's amazing. Well, this this is great. thank you for bringing this in. This is amazing. Uh, I I wouldn't have doubted it, knowing the uh, the heritage of the other two. But uh, yeah. yeah, this is great. Yeah, delicious. I mean, like I bet it goes really well with like you know like a whiskey coke. You know, like something. <laughs> <laughs> speaking a, of dive bar in a fancy glass. In a fancy glass. <laughs> oh man, yeah, this is great. Um, you're also doing some work with uh, slow and low. Mm-hmm. Yeah, talk about the van. Ah, uh, yes. I'm digging on that van. I'm following that van the, uh, is so fucking good. I'm following their Instagram. The van is all over the place. Like, what's going on with that? It's like straight up like 70s yeah. badass. Well, I, for, I mean, Damon, I know you knew Rob Cooper. Uh, this was a dream, uh, like many of Rob Cooper's dreams, um, that took a long time to come to fruition. But Slow and Love now has uh, a whiskey wagon, I guess we call it. It's a 1978 Chevy G20. Uh, that's been converted into a rolling whiskey lounge. So it's got uh, hardwood floors and it's got like a little bar that's built into it. It's got a keg attachment so we could either hook up a beer or do a keg cocktail or just slow and low out of the keg. Um, It's so perfect. It's like, it's got like Krager SS rims and like porthole windows in the back. It is. And it's got that like orange tufting, like the the, like faux velvet orange tufting inside. Um, And all of the, yeah, the design is really amazing. It was hand painted in, uh, in Austin, Texas by a guy named Joe Swex. So um, the van has been integral to uh, my work with Cooper Spirits and Slow and Low in particular. Um, As I mentioned, I work with a couple of brands and, and they're one of them and working with, uh, their marketing team to figure out where to take this thing, where it's best used and like troubleshooting all the problems we've had. Because even though this 1978 van in theory has a new engine, it just constantly (laughs) seems to have some trouble. And luckily I've only been in with it once when it actually broke down. I've only had to like push it once. 
They're that like was, choppers. Yeah, man. that yeah, was yeah, in yeah. Nashville outside they need, of Lipstick Lounge. They need a lot lounge. of attention and care. Yeah. yeah you got to know how to work on that shit. Exactly. So uh, so the van spent some time at Tales of the Cocktail this year. The van was yeah. also, uh, we partnered with a photographer named Asher Moss and kind of took it on tour with him. Uh, so we were in Nashville with him. We went to Atlanta. Uh, the van did some stuff in Miami without me because um, I'm, you know, my schedule, as I mentioned, is kind of crazy with travel. So I try and book everything as far in advance as I can, but sometimes I have conflicts and, and I have to kind of delegate or hope hope for the best with with other people running, running the show without me. Um, but the van is really awesome. We're thinking about where to take it next year. Uh, 2018. We're Let planning us know, him. man. We'll we'll drive it. We'll do yeah. a little uh, mashup. You know, Damon, and I, Damon and I will take this thing on the road. I am probably gonna hold you to that uh, because <laughs> we 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 need some some good dudes to like show the van some love. There's some good dudes. I yeah. know. And actually, we're both pretty mechanically uh, yeah. savvy. So and and you like slow and low, and you like yeah. lock, stock, and barrel. The uh, it was the only drink that I finished at Tales of the Cocktail was slow and low. The can? In one sip. <laughs> <laughs> Those Just, little cans are adorable. They're so cute. Yep. Again, another uh, it, yeah, yeah. Another Rob Cooper innovation uh, that took a couple years because no one had ever made a 100 ml can of whiskey yeah. before. And I think um, I'm pretty sure I shotgunned it, too. Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> it can be sneaky because it's three and a half ounces. <laughs> I'll be. Three and a half ounces of uh, 84 proof spirits. So yeah. it's not gentle. No. But it's delicious. That's it's basically like that stuff is for the listener. That stuff is kind of like it's almost a, an old fashioned, yeah. already oh, made. Already made. It's a bottle. Exactly it's, it's, yeah. a bottle it's a rock and roll. It's a rock and roll. It's a bottled old fashioned. It's already got some sweetener. It's got some orange, you know, oil flavor in there. So it's, it's got the bitters in there as well. It's basically yeah. just yeah. It's really poured over ice with or an orange twist. Fashion. Yeah. Yeah, man. Canned heat. Canned heat. Yeah, man. Going up to country. Dude. Uh, so, but also for the listener, if you see us riding around in this little no van, we will not be drinking and That's driving. right. We'll be sober. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think this could, you know, this could blossom into a, a fun thing if we could, uh, you know, on a serious note, I, I'm, my book comes out in spring. Maybe we can make a little book tour. Yeah. Van, something, action happen. I think that's a good plan, I'll Throw it up the uh, up the chain run and see what happens. Chain, yeah. Run it up the flagpole or whatever it is you do over there. Eh, chuck it. <laughs> I'm not going to run it. I'm just going to throw it as far as I can. <laughs> um, well, it's been really nice having you yeah, on the show today. Thank great you to have so you much. back. You're, you're, you're a star in our industry and you're a super intelligent woman who who is in his example for who sets an example for us all and I appreciate you being here on such short notice. Thank you. Um, Thanks for having me. Yeah, no, Absolutely. Just, uh, our pleasure. Again, you've been on my list for a while. <clears throat> just takes me a while to sometimes get get down there. His good list on the good list, yes. <laughs> well, it's not like anybody's busy, right? Yeah, nah. no, no, definitely know. not. You. In our business, no, nobody's busy. <laughs> we probably Damon and I have probably crossed each other in the sky multiple times and didn't even know it. I mean, right? yeah, it was it was such a awesome pleasure and surprise getting to run into her at Feast last month, or I guess it's two months ago. I mean, mm-hmm. now it's November first, but uh, right. yeah, I was like, see half. and she was like pushing carts around and shit. I'm like. There she goes. There you go. That's that's the one thing no one tells you about event work is it's ninety percent of it is carrying boxes from point A to point B and then carrying boxes back from point B to point A. So yeah. heavy lifting. It's how I get my workout. Yeah, yeah well, <laughs> it seems to be doing okay for you. Uh, I'm going to run down some upcoming shows uh, and then you can take us out if you want. 
Uh, we got Shanna Farrell, who does Bay, who wrote the book Bay Area Cocktails. Fascinating person. Um, Bernie Lubbers is going to come in. He's going to uh, I'm going to make you drag your guitar in here. We're going to get him in here with a guitar and play some music about whiskey. Heck yeah. Um, that's all I ever play. Well, that's true, actually. <laughs> Giuseppe Gallo, uh, upcoming. He's going to get in here and talk to us in that handsome Italian accent of his about uh, his product, <laughs> Italicus. Uh, he says it way better than I do. Um, Alan Katz from New York Distilling is on the list. So mm-hmm. some great shows coming up in the future. He also has a new rye. Uh, yeah, exactly. I'm going to get him in here to talk about that. Um, yeah, uh, we got some great shows coming up. Uh, yeah, man. It's looking like a good season. Exciting. For us yeah, here. we got to speak easy. We got a lot of lot of great uh, talent people coming in, and uh, can't wait, man. Fall is like, I mean, it. We we just now got into the fall. It feels like fall now in New York. It really does, yeah. And so it's a, a great time. You know, we got all these books coming out. Yep. We've got like different uh, expressions coming out, different whiskeys. I mean, this is like the season, man. So it's really exciting to have uh, so many great guests coming in to the speakeasy. Yeah, you know, and it's, uh, again, I've said it a bunch of times, uh, I'm super excited to be sitting in this chair with you, and we get to, you know, we get to sit here and, and chat with our, our people that we consider role models and heroes, and, uh, you know, it's 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 the best part of my week. Uh, Absolutely, man. And I'm glad you're back. Yeah, good to be back. Well, I want to raise a glass. You got yours? Yeah. Yep. All right, thanks for bringing this in. Claire Burton-Ling, you're the best. You're Aww, the best. So thanks, great guys. to have you back. Yeah. To Cocktails and Corgis. Cheers, Indeed. guys. Indeed. Cheers. That's it for the Speakeasy this week. And check out Heritage Radio Network for many more programs like this one. Till next week. Cheers. Cheers, guys. So you don't shun the devil with your rock and roll load. Knows that country music's gonna save your soul. The devil that rhythm and blues that sound. It's gonna get you some in the end. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network. Food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening. Man.